Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. Welcome to week 32, counting week 32 of Shark Sports Radio. Shout out to Shaquille O'Neal and his Orlando Magic Days. Yes, that's a throwback right there, just like that song that we just listened to in the intro, the classic Space Jam introduction. Alongside of me is nobody, it's yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. It's been some time, and as always, you guys can tune in using your Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and or Spotify app. And as a reminder, you can also check us out on Twitter at SSR2019 underscore, as well as Facebook on the Shark Sports Radio page. So I appreciate all of you taking the dive into the tank tonight. The Celtics have lost seven of their last 11 games. Seven of the last 11. So I'm going to try to figure out what's going on with this team. Plus, I might even throw out a trade uh, proposal for a player on the Celtics. And also, I will dissect the QB position in free agency for 2021. And we will get into who the Patriots may target with their ongoing search. So as mentioned, the Celtics have had some woes recently. Some troubling woes. I don't know if it's rock bottom. I think that's probably the wrong term to use. You're sitting at 15 and 15 on the season. So you're you know, 500. It's not like you're the Miami Heat where you can't win a game as of late. They're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Okay, They lost seven of their last 11 games. They did blow a terrible margin in Sunday's defeat against the Pelicans given New Orleans their largest comeback in franchise history. But I will say that there's definitely some some missing pieces to this Celtics puzzle. I don't want to put Brad Stevens on the chopping block because they've gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals how many times, but there there is a model of inconsistency across the board because if you look at their track record, some years they're great, some years they're not. And it's it's a repetitive trend year in and year out and as of late like I said Brad Stevens and this organization has had some winning ways especially getting into the playoff tournament but there also comes a time where you know the Celtics have been built around championships they're all about championships so where does I guess that the trouble stop and how do you you know stop the bleeding I do think Brad Stevens should be a guy that's on the hot seat just to the fact that they're they're underperforming. But to say that, you know, he's going to get canned or, you know, let go, I, I just think that's, you know, a lot of wishful thinking for Celtics fans that don't like Brad. 
overall, Stevens is a top five coach in the NBA, especially when he is on his game. He is top five. Now, as of late, like I said, it's been the model of inconsistency, so you you don't necessarily know where they could head. This year is kind of a fluke year, and I hate to use this excuse, but if you look around the NBA, a lot of teams, like I said in the beginning, the Miami Heat, even Toronto Raptors, they're kind of underperforming. So I guess we kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt due to this COVID situation. Now, that's not to say they're right off the entire ship and say, okay, everything's completely fine. They're going to be good moving forward. No, there's definitely some troubles, like I said, during this season, and they need to somehow glue it back together. Otherwise, it's going to be just a huge task for the Celtics moving forward. If they're currently constituted going into you know, March, April, that's when you got to hold the phone and say, are the Celtics there? And I had them number five seed in the East, but that's because I thought the, the East would be ultra c- competitive. Brooklyn, I thought was a top team. I thought Milwaukee was going to be a top team. And Philadelphia has surprised a lot of people, but they shouldn't necessarily surprise a lot of people because Doc Rivers is a really good regular season coach. He just doesn't have his way during the playoffs. And I mean, he has championship under his belt with the Boston Celtics. But other than that, you look at the Clippers days. I mean, the Clippers were always in the mix for regular season. They're always top three, top five. That's guaranteed year in and year out with Doc Rivers. I will say he is a guy that you want to coach your team the regular season. He's not a guy that you want to coach inside the playoffs. And maybe Philly is an icebreaker. Maybe it's a lightning in the bottle situation with Philly. And maybe they catch it in the 2021 playoffs. But going back to the Celtics and their troubles, let's start off with the easiest point the easiest way to get points, the free throw line. Now, that might not sound like a lot to you, you know, going to the charity strike. A lot of teams overlook that point because if you get to the hoop and you go up and you get fouled, you have an attempt, an extra attempt to make one or two baskets or even three, depending on what the foul situation is. If it's shooting foul and the guy goes up for one, you get one. Right? If the guy goes up and he misses a shot or misses a layup, he gets two. And so on and so forth. So right now they're shooting 76%. 76% from the charity strike. That's ranked 22nd in the NBA. Okay? And their attempts, their attempts are actually in the middle of the pack too. But last season, this is why I want to emphasize it, because last season they finished with 80% from the free throw line. But they just don't have, I think Tatum's their leading guy with, um, I think, 86 87%. Jalen's right there, right there with him. But everybody else, I mean, you can't pinpoint the issues with this team. And that's why it's, it's a model of inconsistency because you're going to have a lot of misses. And let me tell you, shooting 76% from the charity strike, when those are free points, you leave those on the on the board, that's just not good. That's not good basketball. Another point that's not good basketball, Celtics are third worst in the NBA for assists per game. Can you count how many assists do they have per game? It's 22. 22 assists per game. I think last year they were right within that that spell of um, you know 25 to 30 on average. But the way I look at it is, yes, across the board, 
Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're phenomenal athletes. They are. And to say that they haven't been sharing the basketball, they're actually averaging two assists more per game than they were last year. And a big reason why, and I'm going to go back to it, and I thought it was a definitely troubling situation for Danny Ainge and company this past offseason. The loss of Gordon Hayward was overlooked by a mile. Now, did he need a change of scenery? Most certainly. But he was a playmaking machine. He was a guy that could get everybody going. You could have him come off the bench or you could have him start. And he could be a point forward or point two. And once you get a guy that can handle the rock and make plays on his own, but also for others, that's when they become dangerous is sharing the basketball, getting the best shot they could possibly the honest of this team right now is isolation basketball. And you saw it against New Orleans. They were sharing the basketball in the first half, putting up a tremendous amount of points. I think it was around 70 points. I think they were shooting around 50, 55% from the field. But in the second half, that's where they get complacent. That's where they get comfortable. And to have that kind of mentality getting into the second half, you got to put the pedal to the floor and maximize that opportunity. And New Orleans just fought back and fought back and defended the three perfectly, defended the second opportunity. I think they double-teamed Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on almost almost every possession because they knew no one else could make a damn shot, which was so true. Kemba Walker needs to step up. Again, you go back to it, it's isolation basketball. The ball gets sticky, and a lot of times the ball's not coming back to you if you heard on the broadcast. If the ball is in Jason Tatum's hand, you're not getting the ball back. I mean, that's the recipe for a disaster. But again, his assist numbers have been so high lately, too. So I I can't say that it's been just him and him only. He's been contributing and getting guys the ball. But their model of uh, inconsistency across the board is the turnovers. The turnovers are 14 per game. Sometimes in some games, they're up to 25 turnovers. So the way I look at it is when do these turnovers happen? A lot of these situations and, you know, whether that's missed free throws, whether that's not dishing the ball out, whether that's, you know, like I said, turnovering the basketball, offensive rebounds, a lot of this, um, you know, conflict comes from when these type of things happen. Do they happen in the most, you know, early in the first quarter? No, they happen like late in the third or, you know, before halftime, there's glitches in the system, which I just don't get sometimes. You got to be in the game 48 minutes. That's the way it goes. This, this league is too talented of a league for you to take rest, to take an opportunity to say, you know what, we can let up because we're up so much. You can't do that in today's NBA. You can't. Teams are going to make you pay, and especially good coaching teams. And shout out to Stan Van Gundy, national television, having his team come back from 24 points down. 24 points down and still comes back in the second half and puts up a tremendous performance, having everybody contribute from Josh Hart to Brandon Ingram to Zion Williamson to J.J. Redick to Lonzo Ball shooting lights out. Tip of the cap to you guys and tip of the cap to Sam Van Gundy in that second half for out-coaching Brad Stevens. And again, a lot of these teams just find a lot of different successes 
going up against the Celtics in the second half. And it's due to poor starts. You can't have a reset. You have to gain the momentum back. And a lot of it comes from energy plays. A lot of it comes from mental uh, capacities with a lot of different players that create themselves to be vulnerable in situations. And you can't get vulnerable when you have the basketball. And by vulnerable, I'm saying soft. There are turnovers where you shake your head and you say, what am I watching? High school basketball? High school basketball doesn't even have these type of turnovers. It's sometimes like AAU or you know rec league. Like It's honestly troubling to see and it's got to stop. I do want to get into the player that I feel like the Celtics should look to trade in. I, I'm a big fan of him. I am. But I just see a lot of flaws in the system with what Brad preaches, with what he brings to the table on a you know game in and game out basis. I just don't see the fit. I think it's more of the fit. I don't think it's necessarily the guy himself. I think he's a really good professional basketball player. But I think Kemba Walker, I think the case for Kemba Walker to get traded is this, okay? I was always the Kemba guy, and just like Isaiah Thomas in a green uniform, it's a tough case to make him a consistent player on this team, okay? He's 30 years old. He's dealing with knee problems. Isaiah Thomas was dealing with hip problems, okay? In the past two years, he's had this issue, and this year, the minutes restriction per game And the fact that he can't play on back-to-backs hurts the Celtics. It does. And injuries always play a factor. And I'm not making a, you know, I'm not making an excuse for these players like Marcus Smart and, you know, Kemba Walker. But at the same time, you got to always put that in the equation. So if you're in the offseason and you know for a fact that this knee could be lingering at times, you should have known coming into this year that that was going to be the case. Now, you didn't expect Marcus Smart to get hurt. You went out and got Peyton Pritchard in the draft. You got Jeff Teague in free agency. They ultimately just don't have enough depth. You know, good depth. So if I was to put, you know, Kemba Walker in a situation, I would want to see, you know, some, you know, good return for sure. He's 30 years old and, you know, isolation is what he does really good at. You know, the ability to pull a crossover and you know, do pick and pop, pick and roll type of situations. But besides these committing charges fouls that he's done recently, his defense is a liability out there. He's just small and it's no knock on him. It's just the way he's built. And some guys can put up a fight and some guys can't. And I I think he's showing a lot more fight than usual as of late. And maybe because the deadline's approaching and he wants to show that he belongs. But to me, it's the IT situation all over again. The guy gets hurt. His value needs to be paired up with another asset and get something in return. And as Danny Ainge has always done before, he's not shy of making a trade. He's going to make a call where he feels like it's an opportunity to make his team better. And there were trade rumors out there this this past summer, uh, you know, running on the wall. This is why I'm saying it. Uh, Drew Holiday was out there in the trade market, and Danny Ainge threw out Kemba Walker out there in a pick. And maybe Carson Edwards or Grant Williams. I forget what the package was, but Kemba Walker was most certainly in trade talks. So to say that Kemba Walker is not going to be in trade talks is not the possibility. He could definitely be in trade talks. I will say, too, the emergence of Peyton Pritchard 
has allowed Kemba Walker's availability in trades to be more certain than ever. If you have insurance uh, on the back end of Kemba Walker, it's a plug-and-play type of situation. Now, of course, Jeff Teague will, will soon get dropped or he'll get traded at some point. And a guy that I can see them making a run at is George Hill, too. So if I was look at the cons, okay, the case to not trade Kemba, it's continuity. Brad Stevens always loves having players that he's familiar with. He's a part of the system. We don't want to get rid of him because we see a lot of growth and potential at age 30. Um, but there's there's knee issues, again, going back to it. But also, for Danny Ainge's sake, okay, does the rep- reputation continue? The reputation of trading players when they become uh, Celtics players, it's a bad look for Danny Ainge to have all these players come into the Boston Celtics and then a year or two they decide to leave or, or Danny ships them out of Boston. The Isaiah Thomas thing, it is a business. The NBA is a business. Basketball is a sport, but NBA is a business. And Danny Ainge has the opportunity to make his team better. He's going to pull the trigger. And so the Isaiah Thomas uh, trade put a lot of sour taste in people's mouths because the guy had a hip injury and then he was due for a big contract. And Danny said, I'm not investing in a you know player that's going to be turning 31 to 32 years old in a couple of years with bad hip issues. The Kemba Walker thing is a little bit different because it's not like he has like a torn ACL or an MCL or PCL, whatever knee issue you could possibly think of. He had it drained, so he's going to need rest. But the way he's playing right now, you know, scoring 16 to 18 points per game, that might be good and dandy. But if you look at the, you know, the shooting woes that he's had, he went for one for 12 in one game. He went like, like again, a model of inconsistency. And if I was to pinpoint any guy on this team that just hasn't done it, it's Kemba Walker. And again, he's done a good job as of late, you know, putting up a fight for this team. And But at the same time, if he's talking in the third quarter, Kemba, you got to lead by example too. You can't just talk it. You can't just say, hey guys, we got to pick it up on defense or hey guys, we got to shoot better. I will say you've committed a lot of charges, but there's also time where it's accountability. So the accountability factor does play a role too, because I think he does show himself accountable at times and especially off the court where he takes leadership in the press conferences and say, it's always my fault. But I guess calling out guys like Tristan Thompson said the other day is, is a way to go. But nonetheless, smart calf is still an issue too. So that's another reason why you make the case I'm not training Kemba Walker. You know, these soft tissue ailments can last for some time. And if not, you know, healed correctly, you, you won't be able to treat it correctly, right? So, and then if the Celtics were to keep Kemba, okay, why not have him come off the bench? I always threw that out there because I feel like Peyton Pritchard is good enough to start a game. And I don't think that, you know, Smart's absence is a part of Pritchard's development. I think Pritchard has always been that way. Now, is he getting more minutes? Yes. Is he, you know, kind of being indecisive now? Yes. But I think if you give him an opportunity and change it up slightly, just change it up, do something that, that can energize your team and have Kemba Walker come off the bench and provide that scoring that you kind of lack. 
there's a lack of scoring coming from the bench. If Kemba can give you 16 to 18 points coming off the bench, well, I can only imagine with Peyton Pritchard running point, maybe Tatum and Brown and you know Tristan Thompson and, and other guys that come off the bench can can then get their touches even faster. Jimmy Oldjoy getting his shots up. I'll tell you what, his three point shooting looks looks stellar. And his rotation on the ball and his shooting stroke, it's performed extremely well. But again, I would say put Pritchard in, have him start, and see what Kemba can give you off the bench. That would make a case for it to keep him around because he's not a liability if he's coming off the bench because a lot of times the bench players, depending on what type of team it is, you might have one or two superstars that are still on the court, but it's not like he's going to become a mismatch. When he starts games and he's going up against taller guards, that's when it can be tough. And he had his way the other night, for sure, against Trey Young, but that's because Trey Young's around the same height as him. And as Galbrini said it correctly in that game, is you look at Kemba and Kemba sees Trey Young on the other side of the court and he says, I got this. Defensively, he held his own too, but... When you're going up against taller guards, I think Peyton Pritchard can hold his own rather than Kemba Walker. I don't want to hate on Kemba Walker through this entire segment, but there are flaws in his game, especially defensively. Just learn defensive positioning, and he's had active hands. When does the production from an offensive standpoint, you know, when do you try to take hold of that? Because he did play well against the Atlanta Hawks. He did, and he kept that team in the game. The entire game. But again, you go back to it. The turnovers, right? The turnovers are not looking good. But needless to say, okay, you take Teague out of the mix. You go and get you know, George Hill or if you want to keep Pritchard, run point. And, and then when Smart returns, Smart start. And then you have Kemba Walker coming out the bench. I still think Kemba can make the most of his opportunity if he comes off the bench. But he's a 30-year-old point guard, and he feels like he's still in his prime, and he's not going to want that role. He doesn't want it on the bench and Peyton Pritchard starting. But at the end of the day, you got to throw out those type of reactions or that type of, I I don't know, label, and just call it what it is. If you're not performing, somebody's got to step up, offensively and defensively. So if I were to give out a trade idea, okay, if I were to play GM Danny, okay, trade machine over here, it would be Kemble Walker and the trade exception for Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, throw another big in the mix. I you can give me somebody that's scrappy and, and just throw throw him in the mix, okay? And then you get rid of Teague, you sign George Hill, and I think the Celtics have a good balance. A good balance meaning guys that play offensive and defensive basketball and perform well down the stretch. I really like Aaron Gordon. I liked him out of Arizona. He's an explosive guy. He can dunk extremely well, obviously, but rebounding is really, really key. And you could probably get him for that trade because he is coming off of a slight injury. Okay, he's going to be back around the trade deadline to mid midseason, so all-star break. But then Terrence Ross. You can add Terrence Ross to the mix. He can come off the bench and can score you 16 points per game. 
and that's the scoring that you get from him. And he's a 42 from the field, he's 36% from three, and he's 90% from the free throw line. So if I were to put Kemba in conversations and make a trade, you could probably even get Aaron Gordon straight up for Kemba Walker or Terrence Ross and, you know, first rounder for Kemba Walker. But I, I just think Aaron Gordon would be a nice piece to build up. And also, you can add him to the mix for the future. What Danny Ainge needs to do best, and I, I've heard it around networks, and a lot of conversations is, it's Brad's fault. It's Brad's fault. And that most certainly, it might be, right? It might be. I'm not saying that's out of the question. But I think Danny Ainge didn't do enough this offseason, especially with giving Gordon Hayward away for nothing. That trade exception. But you flip that trade exception, you try to get Aaron Gordon. And like I said, the message should be sent that Tatum and Brown are your two guys that you built around. That That's the message sent. And you got to get the right players around them to in order to live up to their expectations. And they're, at the same time, leverage their potential. If, if you can't leverage their potential, giving them more shot attempts, more opportunities, that's the way you do it. You got to get guys in motion. You got to move the ball around, which they have done. The ball has not been as sticky as of late. But I will say there comes a time where if you're in this type of situation where you're batting 500, if you're 15 to 15 on the year, you got to do something. Even if you are fourth in the Eastern Conference, you got to make a move. And I think flipping Kemba Walker for Aaron Gordon is a good move to make because it kind of solidifies you from a defensive standpoint. Uh, it gives you more uh, you know, depth in, in, in the painted area. And yes, they have Robert Williams and you know Daniel Tyson, Tristan Thompson, but you could even throw Aaron Gordon at the three and have him perform as a small forward. So... All I'm saying is you got to get more attempts for uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's my trade proposal that I would throw out there, not to say that it's right or wrong. And again, I'm making a case to keep Kemba, and I'm making a case to not keep Kemba, just so you understand the both sides of where the Celtics would be coming from. From a standpoint of having leverage already with insurance behind Kemba, but also realizing that Kemba's 30 years old, he has that knee issue. You're going to have to go out and get a guy too that can kind of be, you know, the the veteran savvy point guard like like I said, George Hill. George Hill, my eyes, would be perfect for this team. He really would. So if they get George Hill, Aaron Gordon, and or Terrence Ross, that would be nice for the Celtics, and I would not say no if I'm Danny Ainge. 